Welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast, the weekly listen for farm selling direct. We'll talk about the four levers for farm success, which are quality, brand, price, and convenience. We'll hear from outside industry experts and producers like you to delight your customers, save time, and to increase your direct farm sales and business. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast. I'm Rory, your host for today's episode. We've got a great conversation for you today with one of our newest farm advisors, Alex Russell of Chucktown Acres, located in McClellanville, South Carolina. Welcome, Alex. Great to have you here. Thanks, Rory. Pleasure to be here, my friend. Yeah. Could you maybe start out by telling us a little bit about Chucktown Acres and, and what you produce there? Yep, absolutely. So we are a regenerative farm just outside of Charleston, South Carolina. We do grass-fed beef, forest-raised pork, pasture-raised chicken and eggs. We also do a little bit of uh, some stuff on the side, Thanksgiving turkeys. We do a strawberry U-pick in the spring, tons of field trips and farm tours and stuff like that too. And yeah, we stay pretty busy. Yeah, definitely. Who all is working on the farm and, and helping you with that? Or is it just you? I've got a helper. His name is Matt. He is my right-hand man and he's here four days a week. And so he helps with a huge bulk of the farm labor. And it's really nice just to have at least a solid guy who knows how to use a, a drill and a chainsaw and <laughs> fix electric stuff and plumbing stuff. And someone who's handy because that really frees me up to be able to do farming and all the business side of the farming and that's been something that I didn't realize was going to take so much of my time getting into <laughs> farming. I didn't realize it's been half my time on the computer answering emails and working with the software like Barn to Door. And so it's me and him for the most part right now. And we're able to, we're able to maintain what we've got with just the two of us and be able to stay on top of things right now. But as we continue to grow as a business, we're only in our third year right now. So as we continue to grow, we're going to have to keep hiring help. But that's what we've got for now. Matt and I running the show. Yeah. Awesome. You said computer stuff, probably not the reason you got into farming. What were you doing before farming and, and how did you end up choosing to farm? Oh, that's a long story. I'll try to keep it brief. So I went to a Bible college out in Kansas City. I, I was on a mission to try and find out what people need the most. And so at the time, I thought people need good leadership. People need someone who's going to take care of them. So I wanted to be training to be a pastor at a church. While I was in the middle of Bible college, I read a book from a guy named Joel Salatin. My mentor at the time actually gave me this book. They were really into farming for some reason, and I didn't really understand, like, why do you guys care about farms? They bought all their meat from a local farm in Kansas City. And he's like, hey, you should read this book. And it was called Folks, This Ain't Normal. And basically, the, the premise of the book is that the way we do food today is totally weird. Like, nothing in the modern food system is normal according to history, the way food's been grown. And I don't know if I've ever read a book that's impacted my life and changed my life so much as this one. So I started getting really passionate about where does your food come from? 
how does it interact with your body? How does it interact with your health? What about the health of the planet, the soil, the water, the air quality? All of a sudden, within a couple of months, there was hardly anything I could talk about but regenerative farming. So I decided I actually wanted to change my career, if you will, and I wanted to get into farming. I I saw that this problem was something that needed to be solved on a local level, and just having farmers like Joel around wasn't enough. We need good local farmers everywhere, all over the entire country. So I decided I'm going to be a farmer. I I got got to do this. This problem is so severe that I've got to do something and be the change in the system. So what I actually did was found out that Joel at Polyface Farms was offering an internship and they had about 10, 11 young people a year come out during the summertime. And basically they take you, teach you how to farm in about five months. It's super intense. And you sleep there, you eat with them, you farm with them all day, you're up at sunrise, you go to bed at dark, and you do it for about five months straight, working crazy hours. Mm -hmm. So I heard he was doing this internship. So after I graduate college, I decided I'm going to apply, try to get in. Just so happens that the year that I applied, there were 170 other people that applied that year. and they only picked 10 of us and somehow the stars aligned and I got picked as one of the 10 people that got to be in the internship that year. So that's how I got into farming. I, I came in totally green. I had some kind of construction skills, but that's all I had under my belt. I didn't know what a freaking broiler was when I got (laughs) to polyface, they were like, go move the broilers. And I was like, (laughs) I don't know. Where's the oven? (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. So I came in totally green and man, I I learned a lot in those five months and it skyrocketed me into a journey that I guess you got more questions about and we can move into it. (laughs) I guess following that, what were some of your biggest takeaways from that experience? Because obviously that's, you got started down that path, but then that internship is really what must have cemented your your desire to be a farmer obviously if you, you're going to figure out in those five months whether you like it or not what are some of those yeah. takeaways from that experience yeah man god i learned everything i say that i learned everything about how to raise animals how to raise them well in a way that honors the animal how to work with water systems and live animals and fencing basically i went in i think the internship started in may may to october and i went in in may 1st I didn't even know what a freaking broiler was. I didn't know what poly wire was. I didn't know the difference between a steer, a heifer, and a cow. I didn't know anything. I just knew I wanted to be part of the fix in the American food system. And by the time I got out in October, I actually was hired by Joel, Daniel, all the great guys over there at Polyface. They hired me to be a contract farmer for them on another property. I was raising turkeys, broilers, layers, cows, and ducks for them all on my own. So in five months, I was able to go from absolutely knowing nothing 
I didn't even know what protein rations were for, for feed. And I was able to actually run a farm under the polyface umbrella. And I was able to farm for them all on my own, which may not seem like that crazy, but if you ever get around 300 head of cattle at a time, <laughs> yeah, you're going to want to know what you're doing. And all they give you is a single wire and a battery, and you got to figure out how to keep 300 cows in different paddocks. And you got to be able to fix water problems on the fly. You got to be able to fix fence problems in, in a rush. Yeah, that experience, there's no price that I could put on that experience for getting me to where I was. So I learned everything from how to build an egg mobile, how to run chickens, how to move cows every single day. I is not enough praise that I can give those guys for just training me, taking me from zero to a hundred in five months. That experience was awesome. And it eventually set me up for being able to do Chucktown down here in Charleston, South Carolina. That's so cool. Definitely sounds like they threw you off the deep end a couple of times too, and just see if you could sink or swim. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. And, and that's the big test on who's going to make it. Who's going to be able to fight through this because farming is probably besides being a roofer down in Texas, this is probably the hardest job you can have. And so you need to have a litmus test for who's going to, who's going to be able to tough it out. I actually wasn't sure if I was going to be able to continue farming after we left Virginia. I was farming as a contract farmer for three years. And then we actually moved down here to Charleston without any idea of whether we were going to farm again or not. I really wanted to, and I really wanted to look at a farm, but if anyone's been to Charleston, it's a beach town. So there's not, it's not a very rural area, but we loved the area. We were actually in a position where we could go wherever we wanted and try to start something fresh and something new. I wanted to start my own farm. We moved down here, actually get a landscaping job with my buddy who started his own landscape business and we needed somewhere to live and some money to come into the bank account while I tried to find a farm. One of the reasons that we actually chose Charleston, although we love this town, it's a gorgeous place to live. It's one of the coolest places to live. It's so beautiful and the culture here is so rich and so fun, but I actually watched a documentary and I don't know, I can't even remember which one. I've tried to go back and find it. I can't even remember which one it was, but it was about local food. It's the ground type of documentary. And they, they interviewed a farmer down here in Charleston and he was like really busy during the interview on the documentary. And he's, I'm trying as hard as I can, but there's no way I can raise enough chicken for Charleston County. Like these people are so crazy about local food but I was, there's not enough of me here. And so I took that as a hint. Oh, that's what put that in the back of our minds. Like, hey, maybe that's a good spot. They got room for another farmer. If anyone knows like central Virginia, where, where I learned how to farm with Polyface, that there's a local farm like every 10 miles and the competition is so crazy. I just didn't want to try to farm there. I wanted to go somewhere where it was maybe a local food desert. And, and so... Charleston was an option. Then we came to visit, fell in love with the city, fell in love with the people here. And we're like, let's find some land. 
around the city and let's do this. So through a really wild series of events, I got in touch with a landowner who had just bought this property that we're on today. He bought the farm because he wanted to get to know his food better. He had a few health issues that came up in his life, and he was actually able to heal most of his problems with local, sustainably raised food. He saw that there was a huge need for local food in here and that there wasn't enough farmers. So he actually bought the farm before he had a farmer to do the farming. We were here in Charleston for six months, and I run into this guy, and they ask me if I can be their farmer. And I said, absolutely. That was on a Sunday and on Monday I was here and I, yeah, I quit the landscaping job (laughs) and they, they said that they wanted cows, chickens, pigs. They wanted a garden. They wanted their own farm. And we actually, this is where Barn to Door comes into the story. We actually signed on to Barn to Door. Because I said, we can raise enough food for you guys, for your family. Obviously, no problem. This farm is 275 acres. Then, so we're like, okay, we can raise enough food for this family. Let's start a business too. And let's sell the food that we produce as well to help pay for this land. Because this is a really beautiful, expensive property that we're on. Mm -hmm. So we go through a couple different name changes. We go through a couple different leadership changes. I actually go from being just the livestock guy to all of a sudden the owner of the property is asking me to start my own business here. So I take some time to think about it. My wife and I, we are really excited about the opportunity. We call a few people, get some advice and we agree. And we are like, okay, let's do this thing. Let's start a business. So we changed the name and we wanted something fun, but also something that was relative to Charleston and also something that told people we were a farm right away. So we came up with Chucktown Acres. For those who don't know, Chucktown is a nickname for Charleston. So we start and we start with 200 broilers, eight South Pole steers, six Berkshire hogs, and a half acre garden and that was three years ago oh i forgot to mention where barn door comes in is we we said <laughs> once we need to sell some stuff so how the heck do we sell this stuff we can get into a farmer's market but the farmer's market that we're in is actually only six months out of the year so we've got to find a way to be able to sell this stuff during the off season 12 months out of the year even Mm -hmm. so we started looking for software to be able to sell our products like an amazon like we want it to be as simple and easy and frictionless as possible we want to do home delivery so this was right at the beginning of covid so we're this is like june 2020 nobody's going to grocery stores nobody's going anywhere let's drop food off at people's door. And so we sign on barn to door and immediately people started buying stuff on our website. We just started like a a little social media campaign. We got a, a handful of followers and then started doing email campaigns and, and the business has really grown at a pretty rapid pace. 
since then. The only thing that I didn't learn at Polyface was how to run this business by yourself. <laughs> so that's been our journey so far. That's been the toughest thing for me so far because I would much rather be moving cows and washing eggs than, mm-hmm. than like typing in my inventory of how many filet mignon I have. You're not alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you covered a lot there, but I, I was curious, like that transition of going from the livestock manager at the farm to now you're running the farm, you own the farm. How did that transition go about? Because I know sometimes that's not an uncommon situation for people taking more and more ownership of their of a farm over time. So how did that yeah. transition go for you? It was not easy. And we had to have some personnel changes that, that were tough. And we had to start from scratch and it was hard, but it was also like really fresh and new and exciting at the same time. I was pretty scared, man. Like I've never owned my own business before. I'm like totally new to all of this. So I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit, but I never have gone for it like this before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the transition was really wild and I had a lot of great support and great help from the owners of the property. They really wanted to see me succeed. So like they were there at the farmer's market with me selling chicken breast and helping me get like a square set up so we could Mm -hmm. take credit cards at the thing because I had never even run a credit card by by myself. I'm like, (laughs) fuck, I'm supposed to be out with the turkeys, man. What am I doing here with this freaking computer and the square reader and plugging in people's email addresses into my MailChimp account? Oh man, it was so, it was so wild. And the stuff that I, I guess a lot of my buddies in the software world and in the computer world, they love this kind of stuff and it's, they can do it in their sleep. But for me, I'm the exact opposite. Like they probably would have no idea how much protein to feed broiler chicks in the brooder, but they could run a, they could set up a square account in a minute. I had a lot of weaknesses that I had to fight through early on. And that was like, that was probably the hardest thing that, that we've dealt with is all my insufficiencies on how do you get the business set up? How do you do all the computer work? all that. Thankfully, I'm through all that now. We do a MailChimp newsletter every week. We've got all of our systems in place now. So I'm actually able to be out with the animals and doing the business a lot more with the farming side of things than I, than I have been able to the past two years, because we kind of shot off like a rocket. And I was just trying to hold on and keep everything from falling off the edges of the ship. And so that's when we hired help. I was like, ah, I need some help. I can't, I don't even have time to go move the broilers today. Like yeah. I, I got to get some help. So yeah, that, that transition from livestock guy to owner of a business that's growing like crazy rapidly was, that was a wild ride and I'm still yeah. on it. Yeah. Well, and I think something you pointed out there that is always our goal is that it definitely isn't an, an upfront time and learning investment that you got to you figure yes. these things out and it's a little work on the front end. But hopefully yes. over time this software starts to do all the work for you and the email yep. marketing kind of does its thing for you. It then takes those things back off your plate and then like you're saying hopefully get you more time where you can focus on moving cows and chickens and washing eggs and all that yeah. more fun stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I still remember emailing my account manager at the time being like, hey, I'm like afraid of the fulfillments button and the schedules. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even want to touch that button because <laughs> if, I, if I touch that thing, it's going to send me into a world unknown. And I yeah. am like terrified of this world. I don't know what it's like, what's a schedule? How do I set yeah. up one of those? Like, yeah, I had a lot of learning to go, but. But, but now you got it figured out, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Not afraid anymore. But thank God for the account managers that you guys have, because I I have worn them out. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just have so many questions, and I you get frustrated with stuff that I, I'm not good at. And like, I want to go do stuff I'm good at and I'm not good at this stuff. Folks like Richard, my current uh, account manager, I just, I work him to death, man, asking him to do stuff for me. And he's super patient, helpful, and will explain, Hey, you got to line up the schedule with the fulfillments and the drop spots. Okay. I'm like, okay, all right, you got it. Thanks, man. There you go. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's great yeah. to hear. Yeah. I was curious, like in, Going from the internship to having your own farm, that, that whole process. And I know there's a lot of other programs like the one that you went through, or even just people going through an ag program at a school right now. Maybe what would be your advice? I know you mentioned like some things you didn't learn through that program. What would be your advice to either a student or somebody that's going through some kind of farm training program like the one you did? I would say I feel like the way I did it was super helpful. I think the most important part is if you're going to work with livestock or even if you're going to do veg and take care of plants, like you need to know what you're doing with that stuff first. Mm -hmm. That is the most important thing. My advice would be test yourself first and make sure this is really what you want to do. And you're going to have to go lift hay bales. You're going to have to go weed a garden. You're going to have to go carry buckets of water to make mm -hmm. sure this is really what you want to do. Luckily for me, the polyphase program was so efficient and so well-structured that I got tons of learning in just five months. And I know I can speak for probably every farmer on the Barn to Door program. We need volunteers and we want help all the time. If someone was in an ag program here in town and asked if they could volunteer every Friday, I would take them up immediately on that. So that would be my first advice. And if you go through all that and you decide, yeah, I do really still want to farm. I want to be a local farm with a business. I would tell them just like, you guys aren't paying me to say this. I would tell them to sign up for Barn to Door immediately and figure it out because you guys handle so much of the back-end work in logistics for us that I would not, if I wasn't using Barnador, I would just be doing farmer's markets and I wouldn't mess with anything else. So I would say, if you want to sell stuff, sign up with these guys because it's going to save you so much time and so much hassle. And you're going to be able to grow way faster with using this software because your sales are going to be through the roof as soon as people hear about you. Mm -hmm. So that would be my next step. Probably my third piece of advice would be get a small business and have a mentor that's willing to walk you through how do you do your taxes? How do you do your accounting? How do you set up QuickBooks? How do you set up MailChimp? Like when you've got 400 things on your to-do list, how do you prioritize which five to get done first? That is something that I think only someone who's been through the process of starting a small business can tell you like 
holds your hand through the process. Thankfully, I've had I've had a handful of of mentors, my dad being one of them, and I think people could really get a head start on their business and really get this ship off the ground if they can do those three things. And you just might have a farm business after you're done with that. You mentioned the support there. And I was curious, like, how has that support been for you? And, and what are the things you've leaned on the most as, as you've taken over your farm and, and dealt more and more with that business side of things? Yeah, I, I think the owner of this property here that, that we're on, he's a very successful businessman. And the phone calls I've had with him, if I can get 20 to 30 minutes of his time, I learned like two years of college in those 30 minutes. I still remember like a piece of advice. The reason I send out a newsletter every week is because of something he told me. He said, when you're a new business, people are going to forget you exist and you have to try to not be annoying, but also you have to remind them that you exist. And for me, that blew my mind because I thought I'm this cool farm. I've got freaking grass-fed filet mignon and I'm 30 mm -hmm. minutes away from Charleston. I, didn't, <laughs> I shouldn't need to advertise, but he was absolutely right. And I saw that immediately. If I did not send out an email, our sales would plummet. We're in our first, second year. The difference between five sales and 20 sales is a, is a huge difference for that week. Yeah. I remember him telling me that. And, I, and since then, I have been religious about reminding people that we exist. I'm the kind of guy that like didn't have social media before I started this farm because I, I wasn't a big fan. But we got it to remind people that we exist. And, and I think that's got a huge part to play in our growth as a farm business. We've, we're raising way more animals now, feeding way more people than we were just three years ago. It's hard to quantify the value of a mentor, of a business coach, because they're, it's in the conversations that you have with them that your business could surpass 200 other businesses just because of one thing they told you. That's awesome. Something you just touched on there was your social media and that that I, it blows my mind you didn't have it before because I think your social media game is pretty good. Thanks. <laughs> I, I like checking out your social media and you, but you do a really good job of kind of cycling through. We always are big on what we call the three E's, which is educate, entertain and e-commerce. So like kind of mixing those three things into your social media and all your messaging really, but you do a really yep. good job of that. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but like I'll go on there and click and it's a video of you explaining like the regenerative practices that you're using and, and how your fields are recovering from the conventional farming that they were used from years ago. I was wondering if you could maybe talk about your approach to social media and, and what your goal is there other oh, than man. staying top of mind, which you mentioned. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's the main thing that I get on top of myself. I'll drive myself crazy. Oh, I don't have this perfect Instagram post, the filters <laughs> and the sparkly <laughs> stuff that people yeah. put on there. But I, I just remind myself, you have to remind them that you exist. You got to get in front of them. It doesn't matter if you put up a picture of a freaking egg, just put something up there. <laughs> so I actually remember from the first time I listened to this podcast, you guys talked about the, the three E's and mm -hmm. the, the entertainment part got me. I was like, oh, you know what? There are people that blow up on, on uh, Instagram like freaking Liver King because mm -hmm. they're just solely entertaining. 
And that is an amazing way to try to get people involved to, it's almost like the business funnel, like the marketing funnel. You got to get people into your swirl before you can tell them your true message. Hey, we got to save the soil or else we're all going to run out of food. That's my message. But I just can't go on Instagram and say that over and over again. I got to show people like fluffy pictures of the goats and I got to tell them like, Hey, this field used to flood when it would rain. And after three years of grazing rotationally with chickens and cows, this field doesn't flood anymore. One of the wild things is that people really love the videos. And mm -hmm. I was so reluctant to do these freaking videos at the beginning because I felt like such an idiot. Like I'm holding a phone in front of my face in the middle of a 13 acre pasture this is like with chickens around. If anybody saw me doing this, I would be so embarrassed. And I, I did my first video. I called it the power of chickens. And I was standing in a spot that our broilers had uh, grazed through mm, probably 20 days prior. And all around me was grass that was uh, like above my knees. And then everything else in the entire field was like up to my ankles. And I just said, like, this is the power of chickens. They will heal land way faster than anything else. You guys should support a local farmer. We got like 8,000 views in a couple of days wow. on this video. Something happened in my heart and in my mind. I was like, ah, oh, crap. I think I got to keep doing these. I didn't even know this was possible. But like people were sharing their, sharing my video of me standing in grass. And I was like, I don't understand this. Yeah, but social media is a huge tool and it's a free tool. And this is coming from a guy who does not enjoy social media. If I didn't have a farm business, I still wouldn't have an Instagram. Mm -hmm. But this is me saying that if you have a farm and you need more sales, more marketing, and you don't have Instagram and Facebook, get one today and just start putting it up pictures and start doing videos and explain to people what you do because they will not remember you exist unless yeah. you do that. I wanted to hit you with a couple of business questions, some ways that you've organized your store and the way that you're you're um, making it convenient for people to order from you. So first off, subscriptions. I know you've been offering these for a while now. What kind of success yep. have you seen with the subscriptions and, and how did that go about implementing those? Yeah, we have, we have, started a weekly and a monthly subscription box mm -hmm. option for folks. It was actually funny because it, it started out pretty slow and I wasn't sure, like I was reading all over Barn to Door and other farmers looking at other farmers and their subscription boxes were like blowing up and everybody wanted to sign up. And I built a few and was selling way more just chicken breast and ground beef a la carte. Than it was subscription boxes. So I wondered, I wonder if maybe we're just new and not enough people have tried our stuff yet, but I also wondered maybe people haven't seen what the box looks like yet. So actually what took our subscriptions to one or two people every week, all the way up to, we're up to uh, 16 now every week. I started putting up the picture on Instagram every week. Here's what's in the box. It's just the meat laying in the grass with some mm -hmm. eggs. And I was like, here's what our people, our members are getting this every single week. That all of a sudden, 
people were messaging me on Instagram. Hey, how do I get this thing? How do I sign up? People were showing pictures of it to their friends. And we started seeing tons and tons of signups. We, we had to stop people from signing up and we just opened it back up a few weeks ago. But I, I love putting that picture up on Instagram, making people jealous. Like yeah. Fred down the street is getting breakfast patties, ground beef, bone broth, eggs, and chicken breast today. Don't you wish that you were? And all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, like everybody started signing up. So that's been great for us. We've seen a lot of people, actually the only complaint that we've ever gotten from our CSA, and we've gotten this a handful of times, is it's too much meat. It's too much mm -hmm. food for mm -hmm. the week, but no one has complained about the price at all. So we're going to go through a little bit of a change here pretty soon, and we're going to probably just adjust a little bit, maybe go down to one dozen eggs and maybe just three pounds of meat and keep that as the weekly option and then boost our monthly boxes to try to push people if they want to load up, then they mm -hmm. go to the monthly box. But we do those home delivery. So mm -hmm. that's really helped a lot too. Just taking the friction out of the process. People are like, every time I tell someone that we deliver to their house, they're shocked. I can't believe it. Like I could get, I could get a local farm from 45 minutes down the way and I can have them drop the stuff off at my house. That's amazing. Yeah. So. That's awesome. That was going to be my next question for you because yeah, you mentioned that you started doing delivery during the pandemic, but what was, how has that kind of grown? And have you been seeing more and more people shift to that fulfillment? Yeah, we see it like during the winter time. When we're not in any farmer's markets, we're doing a lot of fulfillments and we're doing a lot of deliveries and we're really close to hiring a delivery driver because it's just one of us, me and Matt or I, and my wife's been helping too. We'll just figure it out and we'll just get the deliveries done. People are surprised when they see the farmer at their house. That's a pretty cool interaction. They're like, oh, I thought you would just hire some, you know, dude to drive around and drop stuff off. But we're pretty close to to signing up with a, a delivery driver, just someone who can help us out. And and so that's been great for us. They drop off a little bit during the farmer's market season because everyone in our delivery zone loves going to the farmer's market. So we haven't had to really blast it out during the summertime because the sales are still there through the farmer's market mostly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome to hear though. That's been getting bigger. And then I guess going back to subscriptions too, that I was curious about, I know, for a lot of farms, the subscription format, basically of getting that payment early, getting it ahead of time or having to get paid every week or every month, whatever the fulfillment schedule is for that subscription is different. And a lot of times people are like, well, this is great. I can have this money up front. I can have this money guaranteed as I go. How has that experience yeah. been for, for you in the farm? Yeah, we've decided to go strictly weekly payments or, or payments for every fulfillment because we're, our sales are are so kind of, they've been kind of uncontrollable that mm -hmm. I don't, I would feel terrible if someone paid everything up front for 12 weeks of meat and then I'm like out of sausage yeah. and I got to <laughs> do, do a bunch of refunds. So we've had a, just clicking that button of just pay us every week. And if we're, if we've got a weird week or if we're out of something, I can just refund you or we can skip this week. And that's really helped. I have people that want to skip weeks a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so I can, we can do that really easily. So I've, I've just stuck to pay every week and, or pay for every fulfillment. And, and so that's been working out great for us. 
Yeah. And I know a lot of people like that too, just because you, you can avoid, especially with proteins. If you're paying an entire 12 week or 12 month subscription upfront, that can be a big price tag. And so having it broken up into week by week or month by month can help to, to mitigate some of that as well. Okay. Just to wrap things up then, what's kind of next? What are some of the goals in the year ahead for Chucktown Acres? So we're going to try to keep growing. We're currently looking for more land that we can deal with our process and our, the way we manage these animals. We've maxed out the acreage here that we've got at this farm. And so we're looking to expand. We want to do more cows, more pigs, more chickens, and keep expanding our sales avenues, our sales outlets. We're looking to join more farmer's markets. And so we're still in the uphill rocket ship right now <laughs> we're just we're climbing we want to make sure we're on top of all of our stuff with our accounting our marketing our stay on top of quickbooks mm -hmm. and staying on top of that staying on top of the message but also continuing to grow the amount of product that we raise and that we sell because the demand is there people really want what we've got and it's, there's a lot of excitement about what we're doing right now. So we're growing. We're just, growth is the goal right now. And we're going to see how long we can just keep growing for. Awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. That's it's really great to hear, Alex. Thanks for sharing with us today. And thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, it was a pleasure, man. Always a good time with you, Rory. I want to extend my thanks to Alex for joining us on this week's podcast episode. Here at Barn to Door, we're humbled to support thousands of farms across the country, including farmers like Alex who implement sustainable agricultural practices and support their local communities. For more information on Chucktown Acres, you can visit chucktownacres.com. To learn more about Barn to Door, including access to numerous free resources and best practices for your farm, go to barntodoor.com resources. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Direct Farm Podcast. You can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts to automatically download new episodes. For more free resources that you can read, watch, and listen to, visit farmtodoor.com slash resources. Thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.